And after I went to the doctors and they said, okay, physically you're fine. You got to deal with this shit. Like the two of you need to work something out or it's never going to happen. You know, like unofficial psychiatric advice from my gynecologist. So I remember I went home to him and I just cried and I said, listen, if we're not going to break up, we need to change everything about us like right now. And we did. And it was funny because now like we met in this crazy kinky threesome. And then, you know, less than a year later, we would actually practice making out, holding hands, like, you know, being intimate with each other because it was, you know, my body just wasn't reacting like it was supposed to. And it took so much work and effort to get my sex drive back and to just have any kind of intimacy. Welcome to Normalizing Non-Monogamy, the podcast where we interview incredible people from across the entire spectrum of non-monogamy to hear their fascinating stories. We strive to bring guests on the show who have a healthy approach to non-monogamy. However, it's important to remember that everyone does it a little bit differently, and the views and opinions expressed by our guests do not necessarily reflect our own. Additionally, we produce this show for entertainment purposes only. Please be aware that we aren't doctors or therapists. Consult the medical professional for anything regarding your health that you might learn about on the show. Enjoy! Welcome to episode 272. We're Finn and Emma, and today we have an interview with Casey. And this is an amazing one. I mean, all of our interviews are amazing, but this one's really amazing. It's also a little bit longer, but that's okay. Took your humble vitamins today, huh? I did. Yeah. <laughs> I took them too because my 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 comment on this was going to be that I think this might be one of my favorite or the best conversations on hot wifing that exists in the world. One of the best. And I'm very humble about that thing. <laughs> I think what I love about this conversation is it is, yes, Casey and her husband are in a hot wife dynamic, but the conversation is so deep on the emotions, the feelings, how they've navigated this, having to rebuild the relationship, as you'll hear her talk about having to deconstruct from having met in a blind date threesome yeah, to having to figure out how to hold hands and cuddle yeah, within a couple of years because they had to basically tear their relationship down to the studs. Yes. And so it's a fantastic conversation and we're super grateful to Casey and, and to her husband for, for coming on the show and sharing. And a quick note on that. He didn't join her for this conversation, but gave full consent and probably going to have them both on in the future. Yes. So stay tuned for that, hopefully. Stay tuned. Stay tuned. So again, a huge thank you to Casey for coming on and sharing this amazing, amazing conversation. And we hope you enjoy it, regardless of your dynamic, even if hot wifing, you're like, oh, no, thank you. This conversation is amazing. You'll get a lot out of it no matter what. Did you, Emma, did you hear this was an amazing conversation? (laughs) We've said it enough times. I hope people get it through their heads. Well, then maybe for the people who are premium subscribers, we'll, we'll get right into this amazing conversation right now. And for the rest of you, you get to listen to our amazing intro and outros. Well, at least our amazing intro. First, uh, I mean announcements. Announcements. That's what I mean to say. So tell them about what's the premium subscription. Well, the premium subscription is a way for you to skip the amazing announcements up front here by paying a couple of bucks. You get to choose the price as low as $2 a year, if you would like. And links to sign up for that are on the homepage at normalizingnonmonogamy.com. Scroll right down towards the bottom and you'll see links to sign up. And But don't worry, you still get important community announcements and dates in the outro like the truncated version yes but the fun version up front here where the party is 
<laughs> Speaking of parties, let's talk about a party that's coming up on April 14th to the 16th. Yes, we will be attending Southwest Love Fest, which is a incredible conference in Tucson, Arizona from April 14th to the 16th. We will be leading a workshop at the conference and we are so excited for this adventure and opportunity and to network and hang out with a bunch of really cool people. Um, it's a conference on relationships, identity, community, and non-monogamy. Straight from their website. Yep. That I pulled up while you were talking. Correct. Teamwork. <laughs> and for anybody who is wondering, well, what You're not the- supposed to tell them behind the scenes, by the way. Yeah. Th- this is what they get for not being premium subscribers. <laughs> they, get, they get all the nitty gritty. <laughs> Any hoosies, the thing that we wanted to say about our speech, our speech is not a speech. Our it's presentation, a It's an interactive workshop. Let's, <laughs> let's get the terminology right, Emma. <laughs> We're doing an interactive workshop on the topic of, is there a right way to do non-monogamy? And we can't answer that here today. But if you come on the 14th or the 16th, you will find out and we will be there. It's an amazing conference. We're super excited about it. Literally minutes ago, minutes ago, wrapped up an interview with one of the co-creators, Kate Kincaid. We did. And we're super pumped. Yes. So if you're interested in joining, links are in the show notes to sign up. So go to our website, normalizingnonmonogamy.com. Go to the podcast tab. You click on today's episode and you can find links to sign up there or in your podcast player. And one of the benefits to using those links is you save 10% off of the cost. And if you can sign up before mid-March, you get the early bird pricing, which is bonus. Awesome. Yes. So you can save all sorts of money if you do this quickly. And we would love you for that because it also helps support us financially. It does. The next thing we wanted to tell you about was our community, which we talk about all the time, but we're going to give you the quick high level here, which is we have an online virtual community that also meets in person at times here and there. We have a men's group. We have a women's group. We have monthly Q&As, and we have an ongoing sort of chat forum platform where people are in supporting one another all the live long day, and it is amazing. It's only five bucks a month to join, and you can find out more information at our website, normalizingnonmonogamy.com, and click on the community tab. And right next to the community tab, there's a tab that says events. And that's where we keep events that are open to anybody and everybody. Yes. So our next event that is uh, open to everyone outside of the community, it's just open to everyone. That's what that means. Yeah. yeah. You don't have to be part of the community to join it. That's my that's what I was trying to say. I think they know what it means now. <laughs> you just must be open-minded and respectful. We have a virtual meet and greet coming up on February 22nd. We just had one of these last week. We had about 35 people. It was incredible and lots of fun. These are a super amazing way just to have some lighthearted fun and amazing conversation with amazing people. Can I get a clarification on something? How many times I say amazing? No. Is it open to everybody? <laughs> And what does that mean? (laughs) No, because I already said that. All right. So it means you should join us for the next one. We usually have around 50 or so people, and they're amazing. So we hope to see you at our amazing event in the amazing month of February. I think we need to retire the word amazing for the moment. Got it. (laughs) The next thing we want to talk about is the incredible service, stdcheck.com. It is MNI's favorite way to get tested for STIs. We absolutely love this service. It is fast. It is easy. And when you use the links on our website, you save 10%, bringing the cost of a 10-panel test down to $129. And you support the show financially. So everybody wins. Literally, everybody wins. You win. The people you're about to hook up with win. The people who you almost hooked up with. They win too because they learned about STD check through you. And that's amazing because now they're going to get tested and they're, it's basically dominoes. <laughs> Nailed it. Not the pizza chain. 
the, when they tip Domino Rally. Yeah, I got for it. For STI testing. I think they got it. They got it. And it's mm-hmm. open to anybody. <laughs> so check it out. Again, normalizingnonmonogamy.com. You can click on the resources tab or in your podcast show notes, player, player show notes. You get the point. There are links and we appreciate you using them. Yes, thank you so much. While you're over there on our website, reach out to us, send us a voicemail, send us an email. We'd love to hear from you. And we, I think that's it. There's that's one it. There's one more thing. What? Our last two voicemails, mm-hmm. they've come from Scandinavia. They have. It's pretty badass. So we got Sweden and Norway. Mm-hmm. Anybody else in the Scandinavian region want to reach out? We would love to hear from you. Yes. We don't have any Finland. Denmark. We don't have any Denmark. I don't think Iceland counts, but we will take some Iceland. Netherlands. The Netherlands. We should probably stop naming Scandinavian countries in case we mess up. In case we mess up. Yeah. In case we mess up here. <laughs> so the whole point is we would love to hear from anybody regardless of region of the world, but currently Scandinavia is leading the charge <laughs> and uh, we love getting voicemails. And with that, thank you all for making it through this intro. We're excited to go talk to Casey. And if you didn't like how long this took, as little as $2 a year, you can get on that premium subscription. And skip all of this. All right, let's go talk to Casey. Let's go. Good morning, Casey. We are super excited to talk to you today. Learn all about you and your partner, partners, part whatever it is. We don't know yet because we we just met you three minutes ago. So welcome to the show. Thank you for being here. How are you today? I'm doing very well. Thank you for having me. This is actually my first time being interviewed by a couple. So this is going to be, you know, pretty interesting for me. It's usually just females that interview me. So I'm interested to have like a male perspective here too. Awesome. It's twice as much fun when there's two of us. (laughs) (laughs) Well, do you mind introducing yourself for, well, for us, but also for anybody listening? My name is Casey Donatello. I am a writer and adult content creator and a hot wife. Excellent. And hot wifing, as we know, as probably most people know, falls under the umbrella of non-monogamy, which is why you're here. What is, I guess, what does hot wifing look like today for you? And then we'd love to go back in time to figure out how we got here. And then weave in your relationship dynamic, if yeah. you don't mind, that, like current relationship dynamic. So hot wife is a very, you know, vague, broad term for people. It means that the wife is sleeping with other people. Maybe the husband is, maybe he isn't. In our case, we are a stag vixen couple. So my husband does not play with other women, but he shares me with a ton of different guys. And for us specifically, we always stay together. So I don't go out without him. He is always present. Whether or not he's playing in that moment, he is always with me. So the word non-monogamy is actually very like interesting to me because obviously on paper, I am not monogamous, you know, sometimes there's a debate in our household is my husband or like, you know, it's a little tricky sometimes, but sometimes I don't even think I'm not monogamous because he's always with me. Right. So right. it's still something that we're doing together. And he laughs at me. He was like, how can you be monogamous when you're sleeping with all these guys? And I go, I don't know. I just don't process it that way because we're doing every single thing together. We're picking the guys together. We're going on the dates together. We're playing together, you know, so it's funny how, you know, our brains operate and how we see ourselves sometimes. But at the end of the day, yes, we are not a monogamous couple, you know. Yeah, totally get it. And that's lucky because we were about to kick you off. But since you came back around, uh, no, I I totally get it. And I think that's I I love that part about the labels, though, because for you, it feels very much 
and it sounds like it's very much a together thing and it, mm-hmm. and it's very couple centric, which is amazing. And it sounds even for you, like that almost doesn't feel like non-monogamy, which is, which is awesome. And I love that and the nuance there. So, I mean, oh, you go, you go. I was going to ask us, ask you to take us back and you probably were going to say the same thing. You don't know me. <laughs> <laughs> where did, where did non-monogamy or hot, hot wifing or any type of different relationship, alternative relationship structure enter your life. So it's really interesting because I grew up very traditional. I always had a very long-term serious boyfriend. I really believed in you have one person and that's it, you know. And then when I hit my early 20s, I ended up, I don't even know how it happened. I ended up having an affair with my married boss. And that kind of just like changed my entire life somehow we were together a very long time and it was one of those situations he was older I was very impressionable and I was convinced he was going to leave his wife for me you know I thought we had this like amazing future together we did not but we did find out about swinging while we were together I found a ad on Craigslist back in the day we're going back a long time now and we went to a swingers club together and that was kind of really the beginning of this sexual, like, you know, journey and opening my mind to these other things. And again, I never really thought in the terms of non-monogamy. It was more just having fun and being free and stuff. And then we ended, I ended the relationship eventually. I got over it. And I went back to, you know, just dating Vanilla for a little bit. But I couldn't get, you know, this like crazy sexual you know, world out of my head that I was exposed to just for a little bit. And after a while, I said, you know what, I think I'm just going to try this by myself. Because again, I didn't really know you could be in the lifestyle if you didn't have a partner back then. I thought you had to be a couple and I couldn't do it on my own. But then, you know, I learned you could be a unicorn, you could be a single female. And I went on and I started, you know, playing with couples and guys and then multiple guys. And I just knew that I wanted to have a boyfriend in the lifestyle. I wanted to have this fun, like crazy, wild sex life, but share it with somebody. And I always had a really hard time because the people that I played with in the lifestyle loved playing with me, but then they didn't want to date me. They wanted, you know, to date somebody that wasn't in the lifestyle, which always like fucked with my head because I'm like, then why are you here? You know, it was a very complicated time for me. And I always kept thinking that I had to choose one or the other. That if I wanted to be have a boyfriend, I had to be traditional. You know, it was never going to work. And right at a couple of years ago, I was considering leaving the lifestyle to date somebody because that was his that was his prerequisite. If we were going to be together, we had to be vanilla. And I was in my late 30s and I was just getting so worn down trying to date in the lifestyle that I said, okay, maybe this was just like a fun run that you had. And now it's time to grow up, settle down, whatever, you know, be boring. And out of the blue, a friend called me that I used to play with. And he goes, I want you to uh, come down to my friend's house. We want to have a threesome with you. It was two guys. He goes, this guy's been wanting to meet you for a long time, but didn't think it would happen. So I said, oh, interesting, you know. And now I have this moment where I have to decide between going to a threesome and having a real relationship with somebody. And I really struggled to make the decision. And at the end of the day, I went to the fucking threesome and I was like, whatever, I want to have fun. And then it turns out the guy I met in the blind date threesome became my husband. So 
it was like a pretty wild story, but I definitely made the right choice. And at the end of the day, I didn't have to give up what I wanted. I just had to find somebody that, you know, wanted the same thing or was willing to let me be myself. And that's how we ended up being a hot wife. Like it was never really a plan that I had. I never knew what a hot wife was. You know, I kind of learned things after I experienced them in a way, if that makes sense. Yeah, it makes complete sense. And it like that you that you had to have experiences and then you kind of put terms and, and descriptions to everything. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Thank you for sharing that, that story. Yeah, I love it. I think... I mean, I'd, I'd love if you could talk a little bit more about just the journey of sort of discovering yourself through this process, because it sounds like it was maybe a 10, you know, a 10 to 15 year ish journey of going to parties by yourself, figuring out how to do that, really learning who you were. Well, before that being introduced to but, it all with, with the, with the older person you were well, right. But it, along that way, you're figuring out really who you are and you've always got yeah. this, this other pull. You're like, I want to do this way. And people are like, but you need to come out of it and do it, do it this way. Yeah, society and you, tells yeah. you that relationships have to be this way. And yeah, I was yeah. just curious if you could talk a little more about that discovery process for yourself, because I think that is something there's probably a lot of people going through. And I would venture to guess people who are conditioned as women in our society, like definitely taught to like tamp that down or, Hey, we want, we want you to be sexual here and not over here and like fit into these boxes for us. And I think it's, it's really fucked up and you are pushing against it for a long time. Exactly. So I think it's been about 17 years now from when I started to now, and it's just been so complicated and stressful and hard and people always think we're in the lifestyle it's just fun and sex and like everybody's fucking and partying and yeah sure part of the time then you have this other side of it and i have you know this ability to kind of see everything because i was a couple in an unhealthy relationship i was single i'm in a healthy relationship now so i've kind of seen all the different aspects of how you can be in the lifestyle but for me personally, I always had this just like inner demon about like, am I doing the right thing, the wrong thing? Who's going to judge me? How embarrassed am I? Where's the shame? You know, like, why won't people accept me for, you know, and even in, the, I thought when I entered the lifestyle, there was going to be zero judgment on me. I thought that's why like you're in the lifestyle to have this completely free people get it. But then it turns out people in the lifestyle are still judging everybody like all the time. And that really like totally fucked with my head. I'm like, wait, you guys, like we've been playing. I had, you know, long-term play partners. Sometimes we play for, you know, three, four years together. And then we're hanging out with each other's families and friends. We're like, you know, totally crossing the no strings attached, you know, boundary that there is. And then when it's like, oh, do you think maybe we should date? They're like, oh God, no, like we're just having sex. This doesn't mean anything. And I'm like, well, that's kind of confusing because this isn't just sex. There's so much more than sex happening here. But they like to use that, you know, to kind of not have justify. to yeah, not be responsible for yeah. stuff. So in the beginning, I was very susceptible to that. I got crushed by several guys that I thought like we were going in a different direction and it turned into nothing. And then they'd, you know, end up dating vanilla girls and stuff. And then I love when they date a vanilla girl. And then after a while, they try to get her into the lifestyle. And I'm like, guys, like, what are you doing? You know? It's very interesting how, like, guys don't know what they want either. It's just all because of society. Like, no one can just do whatever they want. Everybody's afraid of doing the wrong thing and being judged. 
So it goes to both genders. We have, you know, this identity crisis sometimes. And so that was my biggest part all the time was just not being comfortable being myself. And then there came a point where I got so comfortable with myself after years and years of this journey. I'm like, fuck everybody, fuck everything. Like, I'm doing this. I'm going to go as extreme as I want and not apologize. And then I meet this guy, you know, my husband now. And I had a very hard time turning that side of me off now. You know, I didn't want to compromise with anybody. I didn't want any guy telling me what to do or, you know, putting any restrictions on my life. And and we're not talking about him being possessive or like dominant, just normal relationship things. Mm -hmm. I remember when we first started dating, you know, we lived an hour apart from each other. So when I wasn't with him on weekends, he'd call me during the week, you know, oh, what'd you do last night? And I'm like, that's none of your fucking business what I did last night, you know? And he's like, what is wrong with you? And I go, listen, I'm this independent woman. You don't have the right to like ask me. He goes, I'm just having casual conversation with some girl that I like. Like you don't need to be so aggressive all the time. But I was just used <laughs> to guys treating me like shit and, you know, trying to control me and judge me that I couldn't see him for what he was. So a lot of people laugh at us because they assume we both met in the lifestyle. It's like our relationship from day one was just easy. Like, oh, you guys are both into this? It must have been, like, all fun and games from day one. And I'm like, are you kidding me? We fought like animals. We made every mistake you could make. We were both so jaded and so used to, like, the path we were on that it was very hard to understand the other person's side and their interests. So I think it was actually harder for us to build, like, a strong relationship being singles in this world versus like a couple that meets and they're like, Hey, let's try this together. So that was very difficult for us in the beginning. We're super happy right now, but in the beginning it was like so rocky on and off. I was always breaking up with him, you know, and it was just really interesting how we both had this baggage from the lifestyle almost that was, you know, interfering with us having a healthy relationship. And I think that surprises mm -hmm. a lot of people. Yeah. How long have the two of you been together? We've been married um, actually a year next week. And oh my God, I'm so bad. He always laughs at me with my dates. I think we've been together like three years, maybe three and a half or something yeah. like that. So yeah, it's fine. I was just wondering like for some context. Yeah. yeah so a couple of years. Awesome. Well, I think what's really interesting and, and I, I often get hung up on this stuff, but it's <laughs> like the thing that you two were exploring individually that you had to then come together and figure out how to explore happened to be sex, right? It could have been anything. Mm -hmm. You you could have been somebody who was whatever, a, a, a dancer and you just love, you dance and dance and dance. And so now all of a sudden you've got a partner in your life who's like, well, I'd like some of the time you were dancing or what, well, you know, you, you were having to go from ultra independent, which you sort of got, you sort of got driven there. I mean, I don't want to say driven there because it's a great place to be, the, to, to be so comfortable with yourself. Right? I think a lot of people strive for that, but you got there and then you had to sort of reel it back in and say, well, now I have to learn to be relational again. I have to, I have to have to undo the thing that I just worked so hard to do, but also not lose who I am. And so I can totally understand why there was so much fight between the two of you. You're, you're fighting to not lose the thing that you developed to keep yourself safe as you navigated 
what were like tons of relationships, even if they were a one night relationship, it's still a relationship. Yeah. And you know, it's just ironic because I'm the girl that for many years, like I wanted a lifestyle boyfriend. Like that was my mission to find someone to date. And then I find somebody and I couldn't mentally handle it. I couldn't process it. I was like, everything I wanted is right in front of me. And I'm like, oh no, forget it. I don't, I'm not ready right now. Like, you, you know, you got to yeah. wait. And yeah. thank God he was it's patient. It's funny how that happens. <laughs> yeah. It was very, he was very patient and understanding. And from the first time we met, I don't, we still don't know why, but he was just so sure we were going to end up together. And that alone freaked me out so much. Cause I'm like, oh, you don't know me. We just had sex. Like, you know, nothing about me. Like, why do you think we're going to be together? And he was just so adamant. And now we laugh. Cause I'm like, that's the only thing in our relationship that you ever got right. And I got wrong because on a daily basis, I'm always the one that's right about everything. But I'm like, when it mattered most, you were right. And I will give you that one. And he can't even explain like why he just said he had this feeling that it was worth pursuing and fighting for and like dealing with all my crazy bullshit. And, you know, I'm so happy he did. But when you're used to dating, you know, horrible guys and people that don't respect you and don't treat you well, whenever you find the opposite, like the nice guy, you, I was just so suspicious of him. And I thought he had all these ulterior motives that, I was going to fall for him and then the real him was going to come out. And I just couldn't believe, you know, the typical thing, like the girl doesn't believe a guy is actually nice. It just can't be true. It can't be possible. I don't deserve this. And, you know, eventually he proved that he was even nicer than I thought he was. And it worked out great. But I just, I don't know. I just had all of these walls up and, you know, I was just so nervous to get hurt again because if I thought if I got hurt one more time, there was going to be no like recovering from it. So I would just rather not get hurt, you know, and it's mm-hmm. I think it's a very common situation that men and women find themselves in all the time. It's just, you know, that last straw, you just can't handle it if it goes poorly again. But luckily, you know, it worked out for me this time. Yeah. yeah. Do, do you mind talking a little bit about how you navigated that? How how did you move through that that process of getting into the relationship with him, like pushing past those things. Cause you were so skeptical and rightfully so you didn't want to get hurt again. How, how did you move through that? Um, so it, it wasn't easy and it's interesting because now we met in a threesome, right? So obviously we're very sex, you know, positive people. And there's that dynamic where there's an expectation where our relationship is going to be filled with a lot of crazy sex. Right. So we both knew we liked having, you know, MFM threesomes. And he was very clear that he wanted to date a girl that he could share, right? So now on the surface, that sounded great. Because at that point, I was only playing with guys or groups of guys, no couples, no women anymore. And I made that very clear. Like, he knew that when he met me. So I assumed when he said he wants to share a girl, like, he wanted a hot wife to go out and play and, you know, do all this shit. And, And after a few months, it was like, yes, he wanted that, but he also thought, we were going to be couples swapping with other couples and like this other side to it. And I go, Oh, wait, 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 we never discussed this part. Did we, you know, so we kind of skipped over some important information in the beginning. And now because, you know, I'm a, I'm a firm believer that you should not be in the lifestyle. If you guys don't have a good foundation, the struggle for us was we did not have a good foundation, but we were so used to being in the lifestyle. It was hard. You know, we talked about, do we step away from the lifestyle and work on us? Do we play separate and not tell each other anything while we work on us? 
do we do everything together? And we kind of tried all these different variations. And nothing was, like, really perfect. We'd have good dates, bad dates. We were only playing with guys still because I thought at least that was our common denominator. And if we were going to get anything right, we had the best chance of that situation. And we were doing okay, so-so, you know, having some success, having some bad nights. And then COVID hit. The lockdown hit. Everything was taken away from us, right? So now... We were together less than a year. It was a very dramatic relationship up until now. The world shuts down, and I ended up moving in with him. And that was not expected either. You know, it just kind of happened. And now we were faced for about a year with only each other, which was we look back now and say it was the best thing that ever happened to us because we took away all the factors that we couldn't take away for ourselves, you know. But in this time, I ended up losing my sex drive, which was like a punch in the face because here I am, this highly sexual girl that's fucking tons of guys. Now I can't have sex with my own boyfriend. I wanted nothing to do with him. I didn't want to touch him. I didn't want him touching me. And the hell that that raised, you can only imagine, because now there is no option to fuck other people. Even if we wanted to, it's just us. And that was a very, very tough year for us. I ended up going to doctors getting off the pill, testing my hormones, like trying to figure out anything that it could have been. And the moral of that story was it was all in my head. I was just between having a new relationship, moving in with somebody, living in his house that he had with his ex in a different state. Like it was so many things happening at once for me that I just had like a meltdown and my body shut down. And we fought like animals and it was so unhealthy (laughs) And then after I went to the doctors and they said, okay, physically, you're fine. You got to deal with this shit. Like the two of you need to work something out or it's never going to happen. You know, like unofficial psychiatric advice from my gynecologist. So I remember I went home to him and I just cried and I said, listen, if we're not going to break up, we need to change everything about us like right now. And we did. And it was funny because now like we met in this crazy kinky threesome and then, you know, less than a year later, we would actually practice making out, holding hands, like, you know, being intimate with each other because it was, you know, my body just wasn't reacting like it was supposed to. And it took so much work and effort to get my sex drive back and to just have any kind of intimacy because I would tell him, you know, okay, we could have sex tonight. And I would just lay there and he's like, this is horrible. I do not enjoy this. I go, but I want you to have an orgasm. Like, I don't know what else to do. And it was, you know, he felt bad for me because I didn't want to have sex, but I felt bad for him because he wanted to have sex. And we were just trying anything we could. And eventually, little by little, like it came back. And then once it came back, we had gone through all of these emotional things together and we solved like the biggest problem in the world to us. And we just felt so close after that that the rest of the relationship did like a 180 and we were just like magically happy and compatible and perfect together. And ever since then, whenever we have, you know, a difficult situation, whether it's sex related, vanilla lifestyle, whatever, we look back and we're like, if we got through that, you know, we can do anything. And it made us so much stronger together. And then being in the lifestyle just kind of like fell back into the groove once the, you know, COVID was, you know, safe-ish or whatever. And we decided to play again. And we just looked at it from a whole different approach. 
and just so much more positive and fun. And now all we do is communicate and over discuss everything and talk about everything. So all the mistakes we made early on, we definitely corrected. And it's just so pleasant and, you know, peaceful between us right now. So it's definitely been, you know, not your average relationship in the lifestyle, probably. And we've dealt with a lot of, you know, difficult things. But communication is always in any relationship, lifestyle or not, going to be the foundation of having something like long term and healthy. And if you can't talk to that person, you can't trust them, then, you know, nothing's ever going to work out for you guys. That was a very long speech. I'm sorry. (laughs) <laughs> no, it was it was it was perfect. I mean, I think one of the, it was I, great. I love the because Emma beat me to a question that I was going to sort of ask around the maybe some of the trauma coming out of and, and maybe trauma is a strong word, but some of the fallout from sort of getting turned down a whole bunch of times. Like you start to maybe feel some feelings for somebody, and no, I'm not. We're just fucking. And then there's the next person. Oh, we're just fucking. And so you finally got into the relationship where the person wasn't like, eh, we're not just fucking. But it was built a little bit on a foundation of we're just fucking. And then you had to, then you were like, okay, we're smushed into a house together and the world doesn't exist right now because it's shut down. Then you get to really see what are we. And you mm-hmm. two deconstructed everything about it and rebuilt it from the ground up. I love the that you had to practice holding hands, practice making out, practice intimacy. Those things are honestly like those lessons. There's so many people who could hear that. And like, that's so valuable. And let me tell you, it was fucking awkward as hell. Like, you know, you got, we're almost 40 we're adults. And like, we literally had these awkward things where he's like, is it okay if I touch your thigh? Is it okay if I touch your breast? And I'm like, oh my God, like, you know, you feel like you're like, early teens again that have never been touched before and it's just so uncomfortable and awkward but you have to power through those things and a lot of times we would like fool around but then not have intercourse you know like and he had to get it through his head in the beginning that just because we were making out doesn't mean we're having sex right now like maybe that's my boundary for tonight and that took us a little while to figure out too because he automatically assumed like, oh, that's it, we're fucking. And I'm like, no, 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 I never said that. So we had to really, you know, get on the same page with that too. And it was so fucking embarrassing for me and awkward and uncomfortable and I hated every second of it. But it was really the only way to fix anything. And you have to be an adult sometimes and be like, this sucks. But if we want to get to point B, we have to like push through this. And now we can't keep our hands off each other ever. So, you know, like it worked. But that's what people have to realize that there are, you know, all these real life issues and these negative things and these, you know, problems that people go through. People don't like to talk about the negative side of things or the embarrassing things. And I'm the first one to like put myself out there and say, I was wrong with this. I fucked up that, you know, I was insecure about this or that, like, because that is the real side of things. And that's what people feel alone about because people are bragging about the great sex they're having, but they're not telling you how they feel when they go home at night alone after the great sex, you know? And there is a difference between being a couple and going home together versus being the third person, you know, in a threesome and you go home alone and they go home together. There's all these different emotions that you feel and you have to deal with. And, you know, I wasn't prepared for any of that. Nobody explained that to me. Nobody said Mm -hmm. you're going to have sad feelings. You're going to have loneliness sometimes, not every time, but it's going to creep up here and there. Like, is there jealousy? Is there insecurity? 
Um, just even dealing with like your own body issues, you know, like how comfortable are you just being naked in front of a stranger or a group of strangers or, you know, there's all these things that become really powerful journeys, like for your inner person yourself that have nothing to do with the other people. They're just kind of giving you a situation that makes you look at yourself in a different way. And it's, you know, it is a very empowering experience. You have to be careful. There are a lot of people that, you know, I don't know the right word if they don't succeed at being in the lifestyle, you know, it can break you down. It can wear you down. You can get yourself in bad situations. But if you go through it with, you know, an open mind and a very good sense of yourself and other people, and you're willing to, you know, do some reflection and some judgment on yourself, then it can be the most empowering experience in the world. Like, I would never give up any of the horrible stuff that happened to me because it made me get to this place right now. And it was, you know, all worth it. Um, I didn't love everything that happened, but I think it was essential to shape me, you know, to how I feel about myself today. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. A couple of questions in there. And I want to definitely come back to the, the feelings and emotions of being the person who leaves a threesome and goes home alone. Cause I think that's, often yeah. overlooked. And I think, and I think that's really important to come back to, but I, I had another question around the practicing intimacy because I just, I think it's super powerful what you two did. And, and even the fact that it was like super awkward and uncomfortable for you is so important to highlight because it would be awkward and uncomfortable for me. And I imagine for a lot of people to, to be like, Hey, yeah, we met in a threesome. I've had, so I've had group sex up the yin yang and now I'm practicing how to hold hands. What's happening? But you really yeah, did my own boyfriend, right? With your own boyfriend, exactly. It's like so absurd, right? But you you went back and did it. I was just I was curious how how long was that period of practicing and building back? Because I, there's again, I think there's a lot of people who could really benefit from this experience. And so I was just curious that timeline of like you starting to hold hands and you're kind of pushing him away when he's like, Oh, we're going to fuck tonight. Like, no, we're not fucking tonight. We're making out and you might get a boob. You might not. <laughs> so, you know, I, it's just really, I'm curious how long that process was for you too. I can't remember exactly, but it was many, many months. It wasn't like a week or two. Like this was yeah. a while. And I think, you know, from the beginning of the lockdown to when we played with our people, I think it was almost like a year and a half. So all of this mm -hmm. took, my breakdown, losing my drive and getting it back. The whole process was a year and a half, roughly. I forget what percentage was mm -hmm. each step of it. Sure. But it was a long time, you know? Yeah. That was the whole beginning of our relationship together, minus a few right. fun threesomes before the lockdown. You know, this was how we started our relationship in pure, like, just tragedy and hell for us. And, you know, yeah. I can't, we can't believe that we actually, like, came out of it, like, in a good way. It's insane. Yeah. I think the other piece I want to just comment on that is that it's, it was, I love that you talk about it because you, it's a great way to practice your, and well, identify and practice your boundaries in that moment. Like you could have easily been like, oh, I have to do this and I have to do that. And like the fact that you're like saying, no, I don't want that. Like I want to make out and I don't want anything further. And he respects that. And you're, and you're confident in that. And then you're able to speak that out loud. That's really hard to do for a lot of people. And so I just wanted to note that. And and if you had anything comments on that. Well, 
Thank you for that compliment. And that is something that I actually learned being in the lifestyle because, you know, it's a very interesting position that we put ourselves in. And I'm going to go not to be sexist, but mostly from the woman's side, right? Because there is this expectation sometimes that if you buy a girl drinks or you buy her dinner or you pay for the hotel room now that, you know, she owes you something. And in the lifestyle, that is not true. And I've come to learn and I love telling women this. Even if you're naked in the hotel bed with them, you can leave at any time. You do not owe people anything. You're allowed to stop if you don't like it. You know, just because you agreed to do something up to a certain point and we are in the lifestyle, that doesn't mean that consent goes out the window now. You are allowed. And guys can stop things too, obviously, but I'm speaking from the female side of it. There have been several times where I just had a weird feeling or I thought the sex was horrible, the chemistry was off. And I would say, hey, guess what? I'm really sorry, but like, I would like to leave now. I'd like you to leave my house. And guys don't really love that so much. But at the end of the day, I want to go home with respect for myself and not feeling like I let somebody use me because they spent a few dollars on something or they, you know, we agreed to meet. Like agreeing to meet someone doesn't mean anything other than I agreed to meet you. Having a drink with you, we had a drink, you know, you can stop it at any time. And it is so hard to do that. And I remember there were a couple of times in the beginning of this journey where like I wanted to leave, but I didn't leave. That's not the guy's fault. That's my fault for staying. You know, it was they didn't do anything wrong. I continued to do what I really wasn't into. And that's on me. That's fine. But little by little, I got a little bolder. And then there's such a great feeling knowing that you protected yourself. Like you stood up for yourself. You said, you know what? I don't like this. I don't want to be here and I'm not doing this for you just because we're here. Like if I'm not getting equal enjoyment out of this, then I don't want to proceed. And some guys actually did respect me for saying that, you know, some people hated me for it really doesn't matter to me how they felt about it. I was polite and I put myself first. And I think that is a very important lesson to learn for people that again, just because you put yourself in a situation, you can always end the situation when you want to, you don't want to go home feeling like crap feeling violated or, you know, mistreated because you didn't do anything for yourself. So that's my speech about that part. Yes. Thank you. Thank you so much for that. And yeah, it's just so important. And I, and I appreciate you sharing all of that and I just can't stress that enough. (laughs) Well, and I, and I, I love it as well. And I, I just not to under, to downplay the, the strength or the, the challenge of speaking up for yourself because you, you made the comment like, well, if I stayed, that was because of me, not because of something they did. Yes. But also because of how many shitty men there are out there who, when you go to leave, they try to guilt you or make you feel bad or beat you down until you like, okay, fine. Fuck. I'll want to blow job. Yeah. You know, you, if you're always acquiescing because people are trying to get what they want and people, when you say, Hey, I'm going to leave and they're not, Oh, thank you for speaking up. I hope you have a great night. Let me call you an Uber, right? The, that's a different level of thank you for standing up for yourself than making it really hard for you because that makes it harder the next time. And then you say, well, I'm a little more hesitant to go over and meet these three people because now I have to stand up to three guys if I want to leave instead of one guy. And so the, and it's the sort of the lesson here is for all the men out there to be like, or, or really anybody, like to just damn, be respectful because you're going to, in the long run, you're going to have a much better experience. You're going to have much better quality interactions and people joining you. 
And it's a lot of it, I think, comes from a scarcity, a scarcity mindset that like, we're, yeah. yeah. And I just, we we're talking kind of in general, uh, general, well, and binary, binary, terms, binary terms, yes. t- terms here and stereotypical situations, but this can happen in so many different dynamics. It's more okay. like just, yeah, be polite and firm and you don't need to be sorry for that, but it's, it's so challenging. And it, I, I just want to honor too, like the, the, the risk in there too, as well for you, Casey, and especially I would maybe even say somebody maybe who is trans or non-binary, their risk in saying, I'm sorry, you need to leave my house, or I'm sorry, I'm leaving. Like, that could be a dangerous statement to make. So I did, in 17 years, I think I've had, like, five, like, really scary incidences, which, when you compare that to the amount of people I've been with, (laughs) which is, like, several hundreds, it's hardly anything, but they were enough at those moments Mm -hmm. where I was like, holy shit, like, why am I even in this world? And one, I couldn't get someone out of my house. Um, I couldn't get out of a couple's house. I think I got thrown out of another couple's house and I forget what the other ones are right now, but like there are scary situations and that's why eventually I ended up kind of going more towards like, okay, we meet at hotels only because someone else's house is the worst situation to me because you have no advantage there. And I always thought in my own house, oh, I could take care of myself, but that's like such bullshit. If I have a big, strong guy against me in my own house, like I'm still not like in the best situation and then they know where you live you know so i always another struggle i had was i love anonymous stuff so i love messaging someone and say hey can can you come over to my house give them my address they come over fuck me they leave i never see them again that's not very safe right like in the grand scheme of things i was very lucky but it's really not that bright to do you know so i was always struggling with like what turns me on the most in my fetish versus being safe as a single girl And that's the nicest thing I can say about having a partner, like my husband. I never have to fucking worry about like my safety. You know, he's there. Nothing is going to happen to me unless it's some like really off the charts, weird shit. But generally speaking, he's there. He's got my back, you know? And when I was single, it evolved to, if I was meeting more than one guy, I like, if I did group stuff, you know, four or five guys, I would always know one of them at least because I just never trusted like you said, like a group of strangers, like who are these people, you know? And the more guys you add, the more you're outnumbered and the less likely it is that I'm going to be able to protect myself if something, God forbid, happened, you know? And, you know, so protecting yourself as a single girl is really difficult. But I've also talked to guys that are single and they said, you know what, just because I'm a guy doesn't mean I'm not scared to go to a couple's house because I don't know what the Mm -hmm. fuck they're going to do, you know? And I never thought of it that way you know, it's sexist. You go, he's a guy, he can protect himself. But that's not necessarily true either. And I know guys that have had very bad situations that they've gotten into. So it goes across the board again. It's really anybody at any time can have a dangerous night if, you know, if you're not careful or sometimes you're as careful as you can be and something still happens. You know, we're putting ourselves in very risky situations a lot of the times, more so than, you know, a vanilla one. And that's, that's part of, you know, what we're doing, but you want to be as proactive as you can to minimize whatever risks you can. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. What would be some of your, I guess, recommendations for people to keep themselves the safest? Both physically, I would say, and, and sexual health wise, right? Having, you know, north of a hundred or a couple hundred partners and obviously no shame at all in that. Like, (laughs) well done. I would get you a plaque if we could, but like, how, how do you keep yourself safe throughout all of these experiences. And it sounds like it's evolved over time. 
Yeah, now, I mean, obviously, like, safety, my husband's with me, and we guys always use condoms with us. That's literally our only rule when we play with guys is protection. Anything else, you know, what we do with them or what happens sexually, we don't really care at this point anymore. We don't have any boundaries, like, you know, he doesn't put anything on me, like, oh, no kissing or no this. We're kind of, like, freeform at this point. So just condoms, and the first time we meet somebody, they have to get a hotel room. Once we're, if we know a guy and we've played with him several times and he gets along with us, we'll have him over to our house. We'll go to their house. Not a problem. But we need to build some kind of like relationship with you first. Mm -hmm. And then for us, I would say safety for our relationship with most, most people wouldn't think of that part of it. Right. But we need to protect our relationship with all this crazy shit that we're doing. So every time we have a date, the date ends, we sit down. Usually we have like a late dinner or go to a diner or something. And we always debrief the evening. What did we like? What did we not like? Did we agree on the night? Did we see it from like a different perspective? Because I remember when we first met, we'd have threesomes. Sometimes like the night would end and he'd be like, that was amazing. And I'm like, I hated that guy. Or I would have had a blast. And he goes, that was so fucking boring. And so even having threesomes, we were not on the same page with what our expectations were and what we liked to see and do and how we liked to operate. So that caught me off guard. I thought, oh, if we like threesomes, we both like the same thing. And we didn't at all. So <laughs> it takes a lot of communication and, you know, having weird conversations, you know, about what he because now because I'm the one that's having sex with other people, whether or not he joins in the fun he has an expectation that he wants to see something really like interesting to watch. He's a big voyeur when it comes to me. So if I'm not playing in a way that turns him on, then there's no point in us being there. Cause now I'm not turned on if he's not turned on. So I had to really learn, you know, how to push his buttons in a situation, what kind of porn he was into, what things like really turned him on, what fetishes he had. And now I'm amazing at turning him on when I want somebody else. But in the beginning, it was very hit and miss sometimes. So, you know, we, when you're in a relationship, that always has to come before anything else that you're doing. No matter how much fun you're having, it always needs to circle back. And if both of you aren't having equal fun, and I don't mean sex itself, but like emotionally and mentally, if you're not both having that same level of interest in what you're doing, then you need to switch something up. You need to change something, you know? Because, yes, I'm the one physically having sex with people, but he's getting just as much pleasure as I am in this situation, you know? And that's super important to us. I never want to feel like there's an imbalance in our relationship because I don't think that would be good for anybody, you know? Yeah. And then safety, when I was single, I remember when I first started going out by myself, I lived alone and I would always write down like a note on my counter or like on my bed and I would write who I was going out with this in case like I never showed up again, people would be able to at least find the last person I was with because nobody knew I was on these sites. So I would leave like a note in my house saying, okay, you know, look for this person. Never had to use it, thank God. Uh, but I did stuff like that. And then once in a while, you know, when I had friends in the life, so I would say, hey, I'm going out with this person. But, you know, it's kind of hard because you can't just tell like, your best friend or your mom, like, oh, I'm going to this hotel tonight with that guy. You know, it doesn't work like that. So there is this, always this kind of in the back of your head, like, hmm, how's this going to go tonight? You know, but you get better at picking people that seem more trustworthy and reliable and honest um, as much as you can. You look for red flags when you talk to people. 
it just becomes one of those things that becomes second nature to you. The more people you meet, the easier it is to read people and look for things that you're more compatible with or, you know, look at their experience level, how you could even tell sometimes like the way someone writes their profile, you know, how they're going to kind of interact with you. You could tell by the way someone's text messaging you, the questions they're asking you, you know, if it's just filthy, vulgar shit from the start, I don't think they really have like the mental understanding of the expectation that we have to meet, you know, so it's how people carry themselves. There's all these little things and it's, it's a lot of it is similar to vanilla dating, right? Like how you would judge a guy you're going on a regular date with from like match versus someone you met on a lifestyle site. You still want to be treated a certain way with respect and dignity, even though your intention is to fuck them. Like that's irrelevant to me. You still want to be classy and, you know, polite to people. Now I look for people that don't ignore my husband when they write to us. Like that's a no brainer to me. We're a married couple. You don't just write to me telling me you want to fuck me. Like you say hello to my husband, you know, you acknowledge we're a couple. So stuff like that, you know, it just goes a lot to the person's like character. So that's what we go. I don't even know if I'm answering the right question anymore. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, it was, it was great. I it was perfect. <laughs> <laughs> Podcasts are boring when nobody's talking. Um, it, it was great. Yeah, it was great. And I, I wanted to touch on something that you said about you had learned to sort of how to push, how to push your husband's buttons in, in these situations. And I'm, my, my brain started to think, do you ever find yourself maybe sacrificing what you want or not getting what you want because you're too worried about pushing the buttons for him? Or have you two found or a way? Or the other person. Or the other person, right? Have you, have you found a way to still make it a fulfilling experience for you? And, I, and you kind of touched on this, like it has to meet both of our needs. But have you, have you found that? Or do you sometimes still find yourself like, uh, this is more of a performance than it is what I'm getting out of it for me? So it's a very good question, actually. In the beginning, I did sometimes feel like, oh, I'm just like putting on a show for him or I'm just doing stuff that he wants to see. But then over enough time, you really start to understand the other person and see like, wow, he's getting so turned on from this that now he's going to fuck me so much better because I did that. So it doesn't become about him or me. It's about that like connection between us. And now like, you know, I love doing that stuff because I know what's going to happen to him if I do it. And I actually get, you know, serious pleasure from it. It's not fake. It's not phony. It's not like choreographed for him. But anytime you're dating someone, right, you always know that secret thing you can do to make them go crazy. And of course, you're gonna like use that right for your own advantage. It makes it way more fun. So it's not out Mm -hmm. of a negative way that we do it. It's definitely like a positive, like taunting, you know, like, cause that's the goal at the end of the day is like, how much can we turn each other on? Right. How mm-hmm. much more can we elevate our sex by bringing someone else in? Because, you know, our sex life right now is amazing. So I always tell people, if you're not going to make our sex life better and you're going to bring it down, then why are we hanging out with you? Like, you know, that's a disservice to us <laughs> as a couple. Like we could just stay home and have more fun alone. So if we're not going to be like upping the ante when we play with people and pushing boundaries And, you know, it gets boring if he watches me do the same threesome with four guys like each week, you know, like four different guys every time. It's going to be very boring after a while, like even for me. So the more we can mix it up, the more we can add new things, um, you know, 
But yeah, like looking over and seeing his face sometimes and like seeing how hard he's getting, like it just, it fuels my need to like want to do more to keep that going because it's going to benefit me in the long end, you know? So it's definitely, it's definitely a positive thing that we learn to do. And the same thing, he's learned, you know, to appreciate things that he didn't like when he met me that totally turned me on. So that in itself was a big thing when, when we were trying to like rebuild everything even though we're kinky people, you still always have those fetishes you like that you're so embarrassed to say out loud to someone because you're like, oh, that's going to be the one that they're going to leave me for. You know, they're going to be like, she is sick. She doesn't, you know. So we had a very hard time admitting those like hardcore ones to each other. And I remember I said to him, I said, okay, we're going to write them down on paper. Uh, I think actually we emailed them to each other one day. I said, you don't have to say it to my face. We're going to email it. We're going to take the whole day to like process each other's shit. And then we're going to meet up and we're going to say, okay, on your list, I'll do X, Y, Z, but I won't do like ABC. And wouldn't you know that most of our lists were like fine with the other person, but we were just so worried to say it out loud. So then from there, things that we definitely had in common, we started doing right away. Things that were like, oh, that sounds interesting. I've never tried it, but I'm open to it. We started exploring together. And you know, the thing about sex and fetishes sometimes is that those take practice too. Just because I'm open-minded to something doesn't mean I get it 100% right away or I even understand fully what the fetish is. So we had to like talk about things and practice things and say, okay, this is your fetish, but what exactly about it is the part that you like? What's the best way to utilize it? You know, and again, we did like some studying of each other and some practicing and it took a little while, but over time, like it becomes both of your fetish now because, you know, you're turning each other on. And he got into like one fetish for me. I got into one for him. Then we found another one that he liked and I admitted, and you know, so it does become this group effort all the time. And that's the beauty of it. Just because you're not into something when you meet someone doesn't mean you're not into it. You just might not know you're into it. I didn't know some of these things were fetishes or existed until he told me, you know, the fuck do I know until I try it. So just having an open mind and not judging your partner is really, really important because, you know, people love to go, oh, that's sick. That's disgusting. Why would somebody be turned on? Who gives a shit? If no one's getting hurt, like, I really don't care what turns him on as long as he's turned on and it's by me. That's like my goal at the end of the day. So, you know, it's been really fun now because we're way more, you know, willing to say crazy shit that we want to try or we heard about or, you know, someone else mentioned in passing. And the worst that happens is you try it and you don't like it. And then you guys agree not to do it anymore, right? Like, it's just a fun experience together. Some things end up being very silly and not sexy at all. And you're just like, wow, that was a total miss, you know? (laughs) Other things are way hotter than you thought they'd ever be. And you're like, holy shit, we need to do that again. So just that, like, fun process about exploring sexuality together has been really enjoyable and fun. Um, And I always tell people there's no problem like laughing during sex. Sometimes embarrassing stuff happens. You fall off the bed or like something slips out. You know, like it's okay. People are so uptight about sex, you know, and I tell women sometimes like, don't worry if you're in a weird position and your stomach looks fat. Like, you know, it's okay. What if your hair is a mess? Your makeup is a mess. No one really cares in the moment. Just like own it. Have fun with it. And just, like, be as free as you can. That's the best part. When you cannot worry about how you look during sex, 
that is also a very powerful thing to learn because I used to struggle with that a lot, you know, worrying, you know, do I look beautiful? How does my body look in this position? You know, and it really doesn't fucking matter. You're having sex. You're having fun. It feels good. Like nobody cares. <laughs> and we put so much pressure on ourselves to be perfect all the time. I can guarantee you that the other person is not thinking half of the things that you are worried about in that moment, right? They don't even know that you're thinking about these things and just, you know, have fun having sex. That's the best part about sex is that it is fun. Yes. Agree completely. Uh, do you have a follow-up question on that? I'm going to switch a little bit. But- no, but I have a comment, which is the, the point you make in there is, you may not, the thing that you may be doing may not be quote unquote your thing, but it can sort of adapt to be your thing because it's your partner's thing. And there are things I think that we all do where, you know, oh, do I love rom-coms? Maybe, but probably not. But I would love watching them with Emma, right? And so do I love doing this thing? Maybe, but I know I love the experience that I have in my partnership when I do it. And I think that's the that's just great. So yeah, I, I mean, I have lots more questions, but you, I yield the microphone to you, partner. <laughs> Go for it. One thing I will say about that, though, even as a couple, you can have limits and say, no, I don't want to do that one. I'm not saying everything is a free for all. Yep. You have to agree. So I don't want to make it seem like we do ju- stuff because we have to, we want to. And if there's something that is definitely out of our comfort zone, we respect each other enough to be like, okay, we're going to pass on that one or at least table it until like the future. So I just want people to know I'm not saying like you can never say no to anything ever again. Okay. Yeah. That's a great, great point. Very much appreciated that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that, that can change like one day I'm into it and another day I'm just not feeling it today. And like, that is what it is. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I wanted to see earlier, you had talked about going home uh, as a single person, like the third person in the threesome. So it, when you're, you you and your husband play with a lot of other guys right now and that's what your dynamic is. So how how do you navigate that with the other person? What does the setup look like? What is the I guess what is the care that goes into the, the other person in that situation? And then maybe also some of your experiences being a third person because I think that can, it can be really a vulnerable position to be in no matter what your gender is. Yeah. So we are very, um, since we were both single in the lifestyle, I think we are both very, you know, aware of the other person. And especially my husband would have been very good to talk to about this part because he, since he was a single guy and single guys get such a bad rap in the lifestyle, he's like their like advocate, you know, he's the one that tells them like if they can't get hard he's like it's okay take your time don't worry he's the one that gives them like advice and stuff like he so tries to help single guys because he's like i was one of you and i got the girl like it is possible to be successful you just have to have like a little knowledge and a little like sophistication and you know get some experience he you know is nice we would try meeting like new people to the lifestyle where other people don't want to meet them We go in and out of that because it does get overwhelming sometimes, but we try to be very understanding of where people are coming from. And we're always super polite. Even if the night doesn't go like well sexually, we're very friendly. We're very polite. We say, thank you so much for your time. You know, like we never want them to feel like shit for meeting us. That is never our goal. Yes. We want to have amazing sex. If it doesn't work out, 
We are still very nice. And I will say that almost all of the guys we've met have been very nice people, whether or not they could perform, whether or not we had things in common. You know, they're just very nice people. And that goes such a long way. And you can forgive a lot of other things if they just have nice personalities. And, you know, they're genuinely appreciative that we took the time to meet them because you know playing with a couple is a fantasy for a lot of guys and it's not available to everyone and guys in the lifestyle they struggle to make it happen sometimes so just the fact that they'll say wow like thank you so much i really appreciate it you know that means a lot to us we take it very seriously as our role we don't um like misuse anything in this way and when i was single i went back and forth on it i my biggest problem was if I had a bad date, I went home and I was still horny and like nothing was going to solve that for me. I didn't have someone to go home to. Now that I have a husband, there's so much less pressure on the actual sex of the night because if the guy doesn't perform, my husband's going to fuck me later. Like, I don't care. If the if the guy fucks me, my husband's going to fuck me anyway. Like, either way, I'm going to win in the situation. So there's way less pressure on the date than when I was single. Like, I really needed that date to go well. And that's probably sometimes why, like, in the beginning, I stayed longer than I should have, maybe, because I was like, oh, my God, but I'm so horny. If I don't fix this now, I'm going to go home and just be out of my mind. Whereas now I'm like, oh, I don't like this date. Let's just leave. Let's just go home and watch TV. We'll play later. Like, it just it makes it so much easier for me and less stressful. And it's definitely more fun than focused on, like, achieving a goal. My husband would always tell me when he was single, a lot of times he went home feeling a little shitty, even if the date was great, you know, it was just, wow, like they're going home together. He's going home alone. And that really weighed on him a lot. So he told me that's why his favorite part now is that no matter what happens, like he gets to take me home. He loves letting guys experience me and have fun with me. But he's like, at the end of the night, they're not getting you. They're coming home with me. So he feels like it's just this total win-win for him either way. But I think being single, like going home alone, was more of a thing for him than me. I always struggled with the sex part and I always just, I don't know. I kind of felt like why couldn't somebody want me in that way? I was more a little like, how come she gets a guy that will be in the lifestyle with her and I can't have one. Like that always played with my head. Like I knew they existed, but like, how do you find one? How do you get lucky enough to find the guy that will let you do this stuff. So that always intrigued me about it. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. And just, Thank I love you. that. The, the, the care that goes into being with somebody because they are people, they're not just a prop, right? Mm-hmm. They, you have fun, but then there is the, the aftercare. So you're not sending them home feeling shitty, you know, to whatever degree you can without having them like move in with you. Yeah. <laughs> you, you but you know, you can be kind and compassionate and still be like, yes, you do still need to go home tonight. Like, and that was, part, you know, you knew that coming out here. So there is an element of that, but I, I think being compassionate and kind and caring for these other people yeah. um, is so critical. And you have to remember the fantasy is going in both directions, right? Like, mm-hmm you're feeding our fantasy of the hot wife thing, but we're also feeding, you know, your fantasy of playing with a couple. So everybody needs to be getting something out of the situation. It should never be one-sided. And I think sometimes people only think about their side of the situation. They forget that it is like, you know, a two-way street and, and they, you're part of someone else's fantasy, just like they're part of your fantasy. 
And that's really important to pay attention to. And everybody has such a specific way that they want to have their fantasy play out that you need to make sure everybody's on the same page. And, you know, you guys are Mm -hmm. kind of, you know, getting both sides are getting something out of it or then, yeah, like I would feel so bad if somebody went home feeling shitty because of something I said or did. If it's something because they did, that's on them. But, you know, we always try to end things on a very positive note, even if the night was like a train wreck. It's nobody's fault. And people have to remember, too, that not everybody is compatible in the lifestyle. Just because you Mm -hmm. think someone's attractive doesn't mean you're going to have great sex with them. It's, you know, there's so many other layers that go into this. And people get very offended if, you know, you don't answer their message. You don't want to meet them. You meet them for a drink, but you don't want to play with them. It's it's not about that. Not everybody is just a match because you're on the same dating site. Like, it doesn't work like that. I wish it did. It would be so much easier. But I think the best thing you can do is just politely say, no, thank you. Thank you for your time, but we're not going to move forward versus like, go fuck yourself, you know, because somebody still did put effort into talking to you, into meeting you. And that says something, you know, they showed up. So many people don't even show up for dates in the if you talk mm-hmm. to people, yeah. you know. So just the fact that someone got out of their house and said they were going to be somewhere and they're there, that speaks volumes to us. You know, that is more important than so many other things sometimes is just being reliable because nobody wants to go out and the other person bails on the date at the last minute. Like you ruin everybody's night like that. And people also have to take that into consideration that when you bail, you ruin someone's night. They might have had to get a sitter. They might have had to do Mm -hmm. all these things to get this night free to meet you. And then you just fucked it up because you're selfish, you know, unless there's like some like actual situation that prevented you from going. But generally people don't consider other people's feelings in this. They think it's just a joke because it's sex based, but it's really not. It's so much more going on than just a physical act of sex, you know? And that's the difference between people that really understand the lifestyle and people that are just trying to get laid without doing any work, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Love it. I I have a few more questions if you're okay. Yeah. If you're okay on time. Yeah. We're fine. So I I was curious too, circling back when you and your husband sort of started to started to create the negotiations, the agreements, you mentioned that he was like, Well, hey, we're gonna start finding couples. And you were like, No, we did not talk about that. How how has that negotiation gone over the last few years? Is that something that is come up again or that is of interest? Another fair question. Um, every once in a while, he'll come out and make some comment, you know, about I get guys and he doesn't and stuff. And we always have a talk, but our last agreement that we made a while ago, and this was when we were still kind of figuring things out between us. I said, okay. I said, how's this for a deal? I said, we'll continue playing with guys, but on the flip side, he likes submissive girls. I'm not submissive, right? So we made this arrangement where I will be completely submissive to him. I will do whatever he wants, whenever he wants, sexually. Like, we will do all this crazy shit. And in the meantime, we will continue being like a stag vixen couple. And at first he was like, this sounds a little sketchy. You know, like, I don't know if this is really a fair deal. I said, listen, you can cancel the deal anytime. Let's just try it. And apparently the deal's been working out very good for us. Um, So... That's kind of how we balance it right now that I feed above and beyond like his wildest fantasies about what he's into. Um, We have tried once we got married, I said, okay, I'm going to be a good wife. Like I know this was something he was curious about. 
we've both swapped with um, partners in the past unsuccessfully. So neither of us really have a great track record with that. And, you know, I'm super straight. I love multiple guys. It just wasn't something I was into. But I said, you know what? He's my husband. He's done a lot for me. I'm going to, like, give my best effort. He wasn't coercing me. I made the offer. I said, if you want to try to meet couples, you pick them. I'll show up. We'll see what happens. Like, I will have an open mind, you know. And we tried a handful, and they did not go so well. And he started to see that I wasn't saying I didn't want to do it just to be a jerk and, like, to cheat him out of something. Like, it wasn't the right vibe for us. I was no longer, you know, you can't put someone in a situation that doesn't turn them on and expect them to be turned on, right? So even though Mm -hmm. I had an open mind and I was trying my best to be fun, you could just tell my energy level, my facial expression, like, I just wasn't into it. And there's no other way to explain it than it doesn't turn me on, right? Like, that's all I can say to justify it. And once he started seeing that for himself in person, he's like, oh, okay, we need to like, maybe not continue this because it's not fun for any, nobody's having fun out of the four people. It's just like, if you've ever been in that situation, like, you know, when one person's not feeling it, no one's having fun. And I hate the fact that I'm the person that brings it down. But at the same time, I can't pretend to be into it. I can't fake it. And he doesn't want me to fake it. That's not sexy to him either. So we had to have all these long talks about like, what do we do? Does he go play separate without me? Um, Because I don't want to play separate, but I kind of made the suggestion. I said, if you feel like you need to go do something without me, I don't love the idea, but I can't stop you, you know? And sometimes he'd say, okay, I'm going to do something. And then he'd come back and say, you know what? But I don't want to go without you. So it's not always cut and dry. There are Mm -hmm. things that come up and go away again. And I always tell him, please, when you feel these things in your head, please come to me and tell me, don't be afraid. Because he used to like feel like it wasn't fair for him to have these feelings. I said, you could feel however you want. I can't tell you how to feel. We just have to figure out how we do this as a couple. But usually as quickly as he suggests it, I say you can do it, and then he loses interest. <laughs> so I think sometimes, I don't want to speak too much for him, but it's like he likes knowing that he can do something more than actually needing to do it, if that makes sense. Like, you know, um, yeah. So it does come up here and there. We always talk about it. But then at the end of the day, we this is what turns both of us on, not just one of us. Mm-hmm. So we keep coming back to this because it just feels right for us. And again, I tell him maybe in five years, things will change. Maybe in one year, it'll change. So that's why you always have to keep talking about things. You can't say, we decided this today. This is how it is forever. And, you know, like I know for a fact that he's not, just going along with the stag vixen thing for me, like I see how he behaves in these situations. Like he is so into it, you know, it's not a one-sided mm-hmm. thing, but again, it's our common denominator. This is how we met. This is where our comfort level is. And you just, you can't force people. You can try new things, but if they don't work, you can't force them. And, you know, his whole thing is he loves seeing me be an exhibitionist, being wild, being crazy. When we would play with other couples, I was so boring and quiet. He's like, who are you right now? Like, I don't even recognize you. I go, this is me in this situation, <laughs> you know? And he's like, oh, I don't like this. This isn't fun for me. You know, I, he gets nothing out of it either. Um, and I feel like we gave it a fair shot, you know? Um, we explored it a little bit. 
And again, in the future, who knows? But for right now, this is the only thing that seems to work for us. And he's given me the option to go out on my own, but I've refused that offer, which when we met, that's all I wanted to do. And (laughs) for me, again, because I don't feel like we're non-monogamous, like in quotes, I'm like, oh, if I go out, out without you, that's weird. Like, that doesn't feel right to me. You know, like I need us to be together all the time to be comfortable with it in like my head and my heart, as cheesy as that sounds, you know, but from when we met to now, a few years later, we've completely changed what we thought this relationship was going to be and what our expectations were, you know, and that's the most interesting part to me. Cause he was like, you fought so hard when we met to go out on your own. And now I'm telling you, you can, and you're like, no, thank you. I go, that's right. That's <laughs> fine. And I'm allowed to do yeah. that, you know? Um, yeah. I'm just so close to him. And so like we are together 20, we're those people that are together 24 seven, you know, he can't keep the smallest stupid secret from me. You know, we go to doctor's appointments together. Like we're so glued to each other that I can't imagine taking one of like these amazing sexual experiences away from him and not having him be there with me. Like that just feels so inappropriate for me personally, not for other people, you know, but that's kind of one of our biggest hobbies is sex, if you want to call it that. So I feel like it should always 100% be together or, you know, it just doesn't feel appropriate to me. And everybody has their own boundaries. But yeah. it sounds like you two have, are having the conversations like this is where you're at now, but you don't know what the future will bring. And you know, exactly. you know, like you're, you're open to having those conversations as time goes. Absolutely. You have to. You can't ever say like this is the discussion never ends. It is always ongoing. It is always evolving. It is always changing. And that is perfectly healthy. That is normal. I think if there's no change ever, then it's kind of weird, you know, because then you're just stale and like flatlining in your relationship. I think somebody having an idea or feeling a certain way is a very good, normal, like healthy part and you just got to talk through it and maybe you don't solve it right now maybe you just say okay we're aware of this situation we're going to come back to it in six months we're going to table it for now you know um we're going to pause this and that's another thing too is that we are very big on if something is wrong with us as a couple we okay we're going to time out on the lifestyle we're going to take a break it will always be there but we always come first we have a rule that our vanilla life comes first so you know family friends our personal things. We always have private date nights all the time. You know, we believe that the lifestyle is for fun and extra stuff, but it's not our priority. It doesn't define us as a couple. So, you know, we could play like four times a week or we cannot play for an entire month. We don't care. It's whatever we're feeling at that time. And we both have to agree because there's nights where like, I'm just like super horny and I'm like wishing, you know, we could go out and do something. But I know he's tired from work. So I'm not going to ask, like, to go have a date. Like, I'm smarter than that. And then there's other nights where he's like, we haven't played in a while. I want to watch you fuck somebody. And I'm like, oh, but I wanted to watch Netflix tonight with you. You know, like, I just wanted to cuddle on the couch. And you have to respect that. You both have to want to go out. You both have to want to commit to, like, doing something crazy together. It can't be just because one person's in the mood. So we're very good at that also. A lot of times I kind of leave it in his hands since I am, I always feel because I'm the one that's having sex with other people. I give him a lot of, um, 
for lack of a better word, control over some of the decisions. So, like, he chooses who we play with generally. doesn't matter to me. So if he says there's something specific he wants to see, I'm like, find it. Other times he'll be like, you pick somebody. Don't care. That's fine. But most of the time he'll be the one that's like, oh, maybe we should have a date soon. And I'm like, perfect. Sounds good. But I don't, you know, like, I'm not the one that's always like, oh, my God, can I fuck somebody tonight? I want to fuck somebody tonight. It's definitely like a mutual thing between us. And then if we haven't played for a while, once we have a date, then we're like, oh, shit, that was good. Like, why haven't we been playing more? You know, and then it starts the cycle again and it just refires like our sex life again. But it's always you really have to make it about your relationship before anything ever. Like, that's the goal of this. If you are not in a good place in your relationship, I always suggest taking a break from the lifestyle, getting yourself together because you know, things come out eventually. And the more you're involving other people in your world, I think the faster the problems are going to arise. And, you know, when you're not solid and confident, that's when jealousy, insecurity, you know, all this other stuff starts popping out. So when we were first dating, we would fight about all this shit. I don't think it ever had to do with what we were fighting about right? Like the life, it was about us not being okay together. So we had all of these horrible emotions that we weren't dealing with internally. And then we were like blaming all these external things for our drama, but it was us the whole time. So that's a very like, I don't know the right word, but you really have to like know the difference between what's your problem as a couple versus, you know, all these other things that seem like they're the problem. You know, maybe you're not actually jealous of the girl your husband fucked you're jealous because he's not paying enough attention to you or you know you're not Mm -hmm. doing whatever at home whatever the example is you always have to look inside first to see why things are bothering you you know because in the beginning he would i don't want to use the word jealous but he wasn't you know there was people that i was friends with that he knew from the past that he didn't like so it really pissed him off that i still spoke to them and i remember being like i just met you You can't tell me who I can be friends with. You can't tell me like, you know, and he wasn't really mad about those people. He was mad that we weren't closer to each other, but we didn't know how to say that stuff to each other, you know, and I didn't, I wasn't aware enough to say, oh, he must be deflecting his energy on other people because there's a problem with us. I was just like, oh, he's an asshole, you know? So you really need to look deeper to the root of problems because they have nothing to do with the other people usually. That's just our way of putting blame somewhere that seems to make sense without putting blame on ourselves for things. And that's usually my biggest point about when I talk about being in the lifestyle. It it really is you have to have so much self-awareness and the ability to really take a hard look in the mirror and say like, you know, what is going on right now? Why do I want to do this? Why don't I want to do this? And that was, that's the part that I love the most is how I've grown so much in 17 years. And I think if I didn't end up in the lifestyle, I don't know what I would be like right now. You know, I don't think I would be this confident. I don't think I'd be this secure with myself or my relationship. So it's definitely not an easy road to be on, but I think there is, such a benefit from having a life like this, you know, in the long run, as long as you try to do it in a very sane and healthy way without losing yourself in the process, because it could go the complete opposite way, right? You can just fall apart and lose your entire self of sense. 
or you could discover everything about yourself. So I went the latter way and I'm very happy that, you know, I did that, but it was very difficult. Yeah. Well, and there will inevitably on that journey be moments of chaos and crazy and losing yourself as you then find yourself and rebuild the the foundation. So it's life. It's life. Yeah. (laughs) I loved it. This is such, such an amazing conversation, Casey. I'm very grateful you came on to share with us. I was wondering and hoping you'd be willing to talk a little bit about, at the beginning, you said you're a writer and an adult content creator. How did all of these adventures lead into that? And where did, where did that decision come from to your, your sex life, to your work life? And you seem to have blended them in some capacity and would love to hear about that. Sure. So it was either like, I'm so bad with dates. It was either 2017 or 2018, maybe. And I was in the lifestyle single and people would always say, oh my God, you're a single girl. You must have like all these crazy stories. You should write a book. You know, your life must be so fun. And it was always in the back of my head, but I'm like, I'm not a fucking writer. Like, why would I write a book? And then I found myself home. I think I was injured. So I was out of work and I was just super bored. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to start writing some stuff down. And I started writing like all these crazy sex things. But then all of a sudden I started writing all these like really emotional things. And it turned in, instead of being this like hot, sexy, steamy book of like, you know, sexual encounters, it was this whole like emotional journey that I dealt with all the stuff we're talking about right now like that started to come out and I'm like wow I didn't think I would want to share that stuff so I kind of ended up writing the first book more like a journal or like a diary like it was helping me process things at the time and you know like how did I get like how did I end up being this like shy introverted girl to being this girl that's fucking all these people on the internet and going to these sex clubs like where where did this come from And how did I feel about myself? And, you know, so it became this really like personal book, actually. There is sex stuff in it, but it's a lot more about the personal side, the negative side, the awkward side that people don't want to share. You know, and mostly when I go on podcasts, they want to hear like, oh, you like gangbangs and DV and cum shots. And I'm like, yeah, but I also want to talk about serious stuff. And people don't always want to hear that part. They're like, that's the boring stuff. And I'm like, well, that's actually the most important part of all of this, you know? So my first book is that. And then my second book, um, I actually interviewed a bunch of the guys that I was friends with in the lifestyle. Because I said the first book is all from a girl's point of view. So I would write about my encounters with guys and then I'd interview them. And then um, I didn't really like do much with them. I kind of wrote them for myself. The first one was published by a real publisher and I thought that was an amazing accomplishment. But I was so embarrassed for people to know that I wrote this book because now if you know I wrote the book, now you know I'm a swinger. So I can't really tell people. So it just kind of existed. I wrote the second one. I published it myself just because I found out I enjoyed writing. It was like a new hobby for me. And then I had met my husband right when the second book got published. And it was a little awkward for us because now we're trying to figure out our relationship. And now I just put out a book about all these other guys And I don't know why it became kind of like a sore subject between us. And I decided one day without telling him, I pulled the second book off Amazon. Like I unpublished it. And I said, you know what? It's really not that big of a deal. Like our relationship is more important than me telling stories about other guys for whatever. Like it doesn't matter. This isn't like paying my bills. And I took it down. And then, we, you know, time passed. We ended up getting married. And I think it was the night 
that we got married, we came home and he said something to me. Um, cause I had always said I wanted to write until I found happiness. Like that would be the end of my story. So he said something to me like, Oh, I guess you have to start writing your third book now. And I'm like, what are you talking about? And he goes, well, you're happy now. Like you need to finish your story. And I go, honey, I go, I stopped writing. I haven't written. Like you didn't seem to like that. I was writing these things. I said, the second book doesn't even exist anymore. And he was so shocked. And he's like, He's like, what do you mean you took it down? I said, I thought it made you uncomfortable and I didn't want you to feel that way. And he goes, I can't believe you did that without telling me. I never want to be that person that makes you ashamed of something. You know, he goes, when we first met, we were both assholes. Like, I didn't know you were going to take me so seriously about everything. He goes, I want you to put the second book back up. He goes, and I want you to write a third book. And I said, a third book like about us? And he goes, yeah, obviously. Like, I'm the one that married you. This is happiness, right? And I said, that's really interesting. I said, I never thought you would be okay with that. And I said, if I do write a book about us, I have to write the positive, the negative, the good, the bad. Like, this isn't going to be like a whole love story, you know? That's not my style. And he goes, you know what? He goes, I totally appreciate that. He goes, all I ask is you let me read it before you like publish it in case I want to like discuss anything. He goes, but I think it's something you always said you wanted to do. And, you know, I think it's really important for you to finish this. And I said, okay. And I thought about it for a little while. And then I ended up like writing this third book about us. And it was from the day we met. to when we got married and that was another interesting process because he read the final cop, like my draft before I published it. He helped me edit it. And I was so nervous for him to read it because I was like, oh, he's going to hate this part. He's going to want me to take that out. He's not going to like how I described him here, you know. And his reaction was more surprised sometimes. He would read chapters and say, how come I didn't know this about you? How come I didn't know you felt this way at this time? And I would say like, how did you not know I felt like that? I thought it was very obvious, you know? And he goes, no. He goes, I wish you would have told me at the time that's what you were thinking. It would have been very good information to have, you know? So now, like, the first book I wrote as therapy for myself, the third one ended up kind of being therapeutic for both of us because we learned a lot of stuff about each other because he'd say, oh, but you forgot to add this thing. This was really important in our relationship. And I said, wow, that mattered to you. I thought you didn't, you know, so it opened up this whole nother dialogue between us and it became, I mean, definitely I'm the author of the book, but he did give me some things that he wanted me to include. He didn't ask me to take anything out. And like, that just really surprised me. I thought we were both in the same relationship. We would agree on everything that I felt, you know, so it opened up some important conversations to us. It, um, made us even closer. It's very, very talk about being vulnerable, letting somebody read like your deepest thoughts and then critique them for you. And, you know, we never really like fought or argued. It was interesting. I was so nervous the whole time. And sometimes he'd be reading my laptop and I'd be on the couch and he would just hear like different grunts and sighs and like weird sounds <laughs> from him. And I would, I got really good at learning what sound was good what sound was bad, what sound turned him on, you know, like intrigued him. So it just became another thing about us getting closer somehow. And um, so I published that, I want to say in January. And then we had always talked about like having some weird, you know, 
either being in porn or being in something like the topic just comes up from now and again just for the hell of it but like we never took it seriously before and i know when i was younger i always had this dream of like being brave enough to be in like playboy or something you know but i'd never had the balls to do anything like that like god forbid the world knows anything like that but he's super secure and he's really about me being whatever i want to be so it, the conversation came up again recently and I said, how would you feel if we really did an OnlyFans? Like, honestly. And he goes, do whatever the hell you want. Like, that would be awesome. I said, you really wouldn't care if, like, I'm putting our life out there and me, like, naked. He goes, wouldn't bother me at all. And I said, okay. So then we had to talk, you know, are our faces in it? Do people know who we are? Are we anonymous? Uh, How does that work? What if people find out? So, again, we have to have all these serious discussions about what could potentially blow up from this decision that we're making. And originally I was wearing like a mask and he wasn't in it. Now I'm not wearing a mask and he's wearing a mask. So he's always like one step behind me in, you know, and I go to him, I go, you know, if people know it's me, they know it's you. Right. He goes, I know, but I still, he wants to wear it and I'm not going to push him. Um, Yeah. But it's been a really interesting journey for us because, you know, everything I post is our real life. So it's whether we're having sex or whether we're on a date with somebody or whether it's me doing something, you know, um, so nothing is fake. Nothing is scripted or choreographed. It's not like a professional porn thing. It's really just like you're watching whatever the fuck we're doing at that time. And it's been really interesting to get people's feedback on that. We get a lot of men and couples too writing to us saying, you know, thank you for being so open about your relationship. It's so nice to see people have a healthy relationship in the lifestyle. So between the books, the podcast, the OnlyFans, like people are really responding to the fact that we're real people and that I do a lot of this talking about the stuff that is not sexy, you know? And even with the OnlyFans, like it it was really hard for me to see myself on film, like I said, my body in weird positions. And like, sometimes I didn't want to post a video because I didn't think I looked sexy. And my husband's like, post the video. Like you look completely fine. Trust me, you know? And I'm like, Oh, I don't know. You know? Uh, or like my face is beat red because the room is hot. And I'm like, ew, I look gross. And he's like, post the video, you know, because again, you have to learn to be comfortable with yourself. You can't, I can't say you're going to get to see my life, but then only give you the parts that I think are really flattering to myself. Right. So it's been really empowering for me to kind of get, I thought I was super confident already. But now it's giving me like another boost to really put myself out there because we're generally very private people, um, very much an introvert. Um, You know, this is very out of my character to be letting people see this in like, you know, it's one thing to write about it, but to actually let people see this for themselves is a very big step for me. It was really scary for me to put myself out that because once you're out there, it's the Internet. You know, that shit's never coming down. Right. So the day I posted the first video, I was just like, oh my God, what did I just do? You know, I was so scared, but it's actually been a very positive experience. I'm glad I did it. I take ownership over the fact that I posted the first picture and not like an ex-boyfriend or, you know, someone from my past. Like it was my decision to do it. I'm okay with that. Um, Even just like the process of filming and stuff has been very fun for me and my husband We've learned that he really likes watching us on camera, like as we're filming. That's turned him on a lot. Um, we've kind of 
pushed our boundaries because people, you know, we post whatever we do, but then sometimes people order videos from us, things that maybe we don't normally do on a regular basis. So now we're trying other people's fetishes together. And some of them, you know, I don't want to like blow up anybody's spots, but some people ask me for something and we might think it's like a silly thing to do. And then halfway through the video, he's like, why am I rock hard right now? And I'm like, because we're trying <laughs> something new and kinky and it's fucking hot as hell. He's like, yeah, like, I didn't think we would like this, but we do. So it's just another layer to get us to be closer and try like crazier shit together. And I never expected that to be a part of it. I thought it was just going to be like boring. Like I post stuff every day and, you know, but I'm actually like very consumed with it and talking to the people on there. And I'm amazed at how many people are sharing their personal stories with me on OnlyFans. I thought people just wanted like, you know, to jerk off to my pictures, but they actually want to talk to us. And there's this pattern of people like saying, can you tell your husband this for me? And I'm like, cause at first my husband goes, I don't know if people want to see your husband in here. Or they just want to see you. And I go, but I think the draw is that we are a couple and the dynamic between us and people really do that. They want to like give messages to my husband through me and stuff. And I think that's super sweet. I love how people are just so comfortable sharing stuff with us and they find like that it's this safe space for them to admit things that they can't admit other places. And, you know, it's taken on this form of itself that I just never anticipated. And I really, really, truly enjoy this part of it. Like being able to help somebody with a fantasy that is not in the same room as me, you know, it's a really cool feature, I think. And I, re I really enjoy it. And hopefully it's something that we continue to do for a while because, you know, like I said, there's more personal growth for me. There's relationship growth. There's fun for other people. And you never, you know, you never know what you're getting into until you start it. And you just have to like really embrace every decision that you make and take it as far as you can. So that's kind of where we are right now. And it's been, you know, like I said, like the journey just keeps going every time we, I wrote that book story done and now we started a new chapter of life. So it just never, yep. it never stops going and it's, it's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. I think your, your point right there at the end of, you just have to like, you throw yourself into it. You, you do, you sort of live that experience for everything it has and you make the most of it. And I think that's, that's true for life in general. And I love Absolutely. sort of love, love that wrapping it all together. And I want to, I want to just make the comment too, that the, I I will just say, I'm not shocked in any way that people are engaging the way they are, because if you wanted to just go jerk off to some photos, there are no shortage of photos on yeah. the internet that you can do that to. Same with videos, right? Yeah. You can, you can find that at any place. If you, I think what people want, they want connection. And so by connecting with you, you are the person responding to their message. You, in fact, sometimes are making a video literally for them. And what's more connective than that? You are a, a human connecting with another human. You're not, it's not a one-way street. And I think that is the power of OnlyFans and camming and all of the different ways that people jump into this thinking, well, I'm just like everybody else, but you're not, you're you. And someone's going to connect with you as a person. Mm -hmm. And it's a lot more vulnerable though, than just, I'm just a photo. Like, no, I'm, I'm Casey, you know, yeah. I'm me. And that's another interesting, right? I say I'm this confident person, but then I post that first video and I go to my husband, I go, what if nobody signs up? What if nobody can't like, why would people care when there is free porn? There's 
the world is, you know, filled with this content and only felt like, why would anybody give a shit that we made one? And you know what? It turned out that some people did, a lot of people did care, you know? And again, you know, I've been on a lot of podcasts and from the books and stuff and people just like relate to us, you know? And mm-hmm. that's the biggest compliment that I take away from this is that there is like an interest in us as real people and not just like a face, you know, a random face and stuff. And, but you know, like I was very insecure when we first started, I go, I'm going to put naked pictures of myself all over the internet for absolutely no reason. And no one's going to give a shit, but now they're going to be out there for eternity, you know? And thankfully it didn't happen that way. We did get people and it's been very fun, but you know, you always second guess yourself. You always think, is it the right decision? Even now we've had it for three months and every once in a while I go, in 10 years, am I going to regret the fact that my body's all over the internet? Like, I don't know. That's a very good possibility. At least we don't have kids. And we agreed that was one of the reasons we did it. We don't have to like embarrass our kids or worry about them. But like, it's fun right now. But will I ever regret this decision? I don't know. But it's too late because I already did it, you know, and we'll (laughs) deal with that when the time comes, you know, but it, it is a little scary at the same time, even though it's fun. Totally. Well, and the yeah. flip side of that is in 10 years, if you hadn't done it, would you regret not doing it? Yes. And that's what, so. my, hus- that's what my husband says to me. He goes, if you don't do it now, yeah. you know, um, yeah. yeah, and that's the thing. I love it. Yeah. I love it. Well, I'm so grateful that we got to talk. I'm grateful that we got, I, it wasn't talking about all of the dirty sex shit. It was about who Casey. And, Which there's nothing wrong no, with No, 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 no. Nothing wrong with it <laughs> at all. Wanted, but I, I love that we got. I I want to say behind the scenes with it. Like we, we got to know who you are. And I think that's, that's the power of these stories. And I'm just grateful that you were so open and vulnerable and sharing everything with us today. So th- yeah. thank you. Thank you so much for everything. And well, um, if, if there's nothing else on your mind and we can give you the opportunity, if there's anything else you haven't shared, we'll put links to, your OnlyFans, your Instagram, all of your stuff will be in the show notes so people can find you. But before we let you go, is there anything else that we haven't talked about that you want to just shout out to the world? Um, no, I think I'm pretty good right now. Um, I think we've covered <laughs> a lot of topics. And I feel like we talked about a lot of important things, which, you know, was my goal for today. Again, like the fluff and stuff is fun, but you can kind of hear that stuff anywhere. You know, you want to... Yep have more serious talks every once in a while. So I really appreciate you guys being on the same page as me for today. Love it. No, it was perfect. So thank you, Casey. I was going to say links to your books will also be links to everything. Casey will be in the show notes. So thank you and have a wonderful day. You too. Bye. And we're back. Thank you so much, Casey, for sharing everything you did and for coming on the show. We love talking to you. And yeah, just thank you. Thank you. Uh, And we're excited to hopefully talk to both of you soon. And thank you for doing the work you do. I think it could be easily, people easily lump in, oh, OnlyFans, that's just, you know, whatever, trite, sexy, whatever. But you do powerful work. You're, you're, you are connecting with people on a deeper level. And I think that gets overlooked and I think it's amazing work. So thank you for doing that work as well as for coming on and sharing everything you did. Yes, yes, yes. Also, we have a big apology to issue to the entire population of the Netherlands. Yes. <laughs> we, we did not mean to lump you in with the Scandinavian 
uh, crowd. From the intro. From the intro, we did a little bit of research in between then and now. We learned that we we, we had one too many countries. <laughs> we, we maybe missed a few and we added a couple. So <laughs> our apologies, the Netherlands. Uh, we still love you. And we would love to hear from you. And um, we would love to hear from anybody in the world. Correct. So, you know, it doesn't matter where you live. Just send us a voicemail, send us an email. We would love to hear from you. That is true. A couple of quick reminders. Um, our next uh, virtual meet and greet is coming up February 22nd. You can sign up on our website. As well as we will be presenting a workshop and attending the Southwest Love Fest conference in Tucson, Arizona, April 14th through the 16th. Links to sign up and join us are also in the podcast show notes. And those links save you 10%. They do. Which is awesome. And if you get in before mid-March, you get the early bird pricing, which saves you buckets of money that you can go and make it rain. We're super excited and we would love it if any of you, many of you can come and join us. All of you. Yes. And with that, next week, we have a super fun interview with Libby and Cal. This one's awesome. It is. There's some music. There is music. They're amazing, incredible musicians. Actually, you know what? I'm going to throw links in the show notes of this episode. If you want to go and listen to some of the music that these two have produced together, I recommend it. Yes. And and you can hear the interview next week. You will. And we will see everybody then. Until then, have a wonderful rest of your week and take care and party on. Bye, everyone. Thanks for listening.